0: Hi, I'm Kate Bowler, and this is Everything Happens. Look, the world loves us when we are good, better, best. But this is a podcast for when you want to stop feeling guilty that you're not living your best life now. We're not always having an eat, pray, love experience. I used to have my own delusion of living my best life now. I'm a Duke professor wine and cheese enthusiast, wife and mom, Instagram gold. Then I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. That was four years ago and I'm still here. And now I get it. Life is a chronic condition. The self-help and wellness industry will try to tell you that you can always fix your life. Eat this and you won't get sick. Lose this weight and you'll never be lonely. Believe with your whole heart and God will provide. Keep this attitude and the money is yours. But I'm here to look into your gorgeous eyes and say, hey, there are some things you can fix and some things you can't. And it's okay that life isn't always better. We can find beauty and meaning and truth, but there's no cure to being human. So let's be friends on that journey. Let's be human Together. I hate optimists. Sorry, what a way to start, but seriously, I hate optimists. Blind optimism is toxic. Sometimes things are as bad as they seem. And we need permission to say hard, true things, things that may not always be positive. But I love hopeful people. The people who, even while staring down the darkness, find ways to be kind and generous and courageous. Not in denial of reality, but because of it. I wanted to talk to someone today who is deeply hopeful in the face of the unthinkable. Because we could all use a little infusion of hard-won hope these days. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Wajahat Ali. Waj is a journalist, CNN contributor, and all-around hilarious follow on Twitter. He is also the dad of three adorable little ones. I met Waj as he was taking a break from the hospital. He was still wearing the bracelet, and I remember how incredibly, beautifully tired he was. He was tired in the way that people get when they've been keeping watch and whose lives have been sucked into the endless vortex of waiting and waiting for results you can't control. He had recently received news that no one should even imagine. His toddler was very, very sick. Today we're going to be talking about living fully in the midst of a world you can't control, and about how to be hopeful, fundamentally hopeful, because I think Waj's attitude about hope will surprise you. Watch hey, thanks so much for being here.
1: You have such a good podcast voice. It was so impressive
0: <laughs> it's a, Do you also feel like it sounds understanding
1: yeah it was it was so it was like soothing and understanding it was that had that like perfect npr ish Melody that wasn't sing songy, but at the same time, like kept you engaged. I was very, I was like, you know what we say is like when you give someone a compliment uh, in Muslim traditions to not give them the evil eye, you say, say, oh, mashallah. I was like, mashallah, she has a very good podcast voice. That was very impressive. (laughs)
0: i'll be sure that in the future i'll just leave you long voice messages yeah. on your cell phone with exactly this voice
1: it'd be so good i'd be like soothed i feel like it's, <laughs> it's like my meditation moment and i feel informed I'll,
0: I'll do it like dictation dear watch comma. But, you, but
1: it should be funny like you should like say the most vile things though in yeah, that board yeah. just yeah, to yeah. leave me
0: i hated when i saw on twitter today you seem really inflammatory
1: that's what it is kate
0: much love comma. yeah
1: my, you could do better
0: But I don't even think that.
1: (laughs) Even if you did, it's okay. It's (laughs) under coronavirus, you can be as honest as you want.
0: I accept, I accept that social permission. For the first question, this was a moment before I knew you. If you don't mind, take me back to the day your world was turned upside down. You were on stage giving a TED talk and you planned this talk for months and months. Like I've done that process. It's like months of prep. What was your talk supposed to be about?
1: So my whole speech was to make the case for having kids in a modern society where there's income inequality and climate change. And yeah, the, the, the whole speech was a Trojan horse, really, to examine why in modern developed countries we are not having enough kids, the negative consequences that are happening in society in China, and Japan, the United States, and Europe, and... The Trojan horse was, was to end it with a case for pronatal policies, meaning affordable health care, paid parental leave, uh, child care, and showing how if you help parents, especially women, it's not that people don't want to have kids, is that they want to have kids, but they feel so overwhelmed that they can't. Yeah. And I left my family, and my family is in Virginia, and my family at that time was my wife and my two kids, Ibrahim and my daughter, Nuseba early in the morning and my wife calls me crying and my wife never cries. So I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. And she goes, I had to take Nuseiba to the hospital. I said, why? She says, I found like this, these, a bump on her stomach. So I'm like, did mm-hmm. she eat something? Like, it was, yeah. did, you know, did she swallow something? And she goes, and then she was crying. And my wa- wife is a physician and she goes, so my spidey sense just said, take her. And they found bumps all over her liver. I'm like, what does that mean? And my wife, again, being a physician without, needing the final conclusive answer said sure. this means this is cancer and i'm like what the i'm like cancer what are you talking about i just left her two like two and a half days ago i was playing double yeah. on her stomach yeah. and so that's when she said most likely it's it's all over her liver it's like stage four cancer i'm like stage four? and then the funny thing is you have to have some dark humor here i'm uh-huh. like is that one of the good stages
0: because oh, no, like, <laughs> oh, <honey. laughs>
1: I mean you know every stage is bad but I'm like and like it, it, like but you know it's like I know it's bad but I'm like oh maybe stage one is really bad and like stage yeah, yeah, yeah. five is pretty good uh, <laughs> and, and she's oh, like no cute. that means it's all over her liver and they fear it, it might have metastasized to the lung oh. and so my first reaction was and I'll be very transparent was I took like I just uh I'm not a man who's prone to anger, believe it or not, to kill all Muslim stereotypes. So I'm actually very chill. Uh, <laughs> I just took a, like a fist and I just like hit the pillow and yeah. I, I said no. Yeah. And then the second thing I did was uh, the the barter prayer, which I call the barter yeah. prayer. It's like where you don't have to be in religious. You can, I've, I've heard from parents who are even agnostic atheists, you do a trade. And so yes. you sit there and you're like, okay, God or universe, uh, two-year-old girl, 38 year old man at that time with, you know, dad bod, uh, e- you know, easy trade my life for hers, or let me absorb her pain. And like, but you know, you're not going to hear a, a response.
0: Yes. I'll just, I I'll never forget. I was like 35. And then my dad is like, was 68 or something. And I was in the living room and leaning my head, I was sitting on the ground, leaning my head against his knee and he has his hand on my head. And he goes, Oh, sweetie, I, I pray." I pray all the time, why you and not me. And I said, "Oh dad, that is like the nicest and saddest thing I have ever heard because that's that's parental love." And then he said, "Um, but then I start to remember that Mozart was younger than you when he died." <laughs>
1: So what have you done lately?
0: But it's like, it was exactly what he prayed every night. It was like the second you hear news like that, it's like, all I would do in the whole world is absorb is like, if I could take this pain into my own body, I would do it. That's just, that's the kind of love. and, and, And
1: I'm sure if you asked your, if you asked your father, um, every night, uh, for years or even now, does he do the same prayer? I'm very confident he would say yes. Yeah, this was almost a year ago to the day. Like we're talking about, oh, and then I I, yeah. w- I gave I went two three days later and I gave that talk which you can find uh, on TED and uh, I had to incorporate this this reality into that talk because I thought I would otherwise be doing a disservice yes. to the talk and I'd just be dishonest. And so my my mom said, uh, you know, you're coming back anyway and you're already there. And so why don't you go and give this talk for your daughter and do the best that you can. Yeah. And, and and you can just imagine that was the most surreal week because you've done Ted, you know, there's so many interesting people and they just line it up with so many like back to back interviews and engagements. And yeah. you're also prepping for this talk that the world will see. And uh, meanwhile, the whole thing, the whole time, I just have to
0: yeah, living perform. in this fugue state yeah, of yeah, pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Instead of ending with the pronatal policies, like what did you say instead?
1: So I ended with the pronatal policies and then I I I, I said, you know, uh, you know, having the, the decision to have kids was the best decision we ever made.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I just shared with them. I said just three days ago I found out this news. And you could hear a a collective gasp in the audience. Like someone took out the entire air. I've never seen something like that before. Like everyone just stopped breathing for like 30 seconds because that crowd in particular, most people in that crowd had kids. Yeah. And then I said, despite all of this, um, you know, my wife and I don't regret the decision. It was the best decision we've ever made. And, um, you know, I I think I did say something nice and poetic, which I'm forgetting now, but I said, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I, I feel I ended like in a hopeful note.
0: Yeah.
1: I remember I said, Kids at the end of the day represent uh, our hope, our hope for the future. And if we choose to completely tap out, then what's the point of all of this, right? Yeah. And I said, like, so you know, what we hope to do is we hope to pass on kindness and love and decency. And that's that's if we can just do that, then maybe um, all this is worth it. And yeah. so, and I meant it, right? And so, like, because you you sit there and you're like, I'm making the case for having kids. And my two-year-old has stage four cancer. We don't know if she's going to survive the month. Uh, Do I still believe this? And number two, did we make the right decision? Like this is is where it starts playing tricks with you, right? Did I make the right decision to have a kid? It's like this. If you knew your kid was going to have stage four cancer and you can take the DeLorean back in time, would you still have the kid?
0: Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a Muslim analog to this. I'm just curious, like- Cause the way you've the way you're framing out this kind of love, it just reminds me of the um there's a hymn I really love that ends with like, even so, even so it is well with my soul. And it's about all of the terrible, but I always kind of imagined that like most of my beliefs could be summed up in like, yes, but even so. What I hear you saying with like, yes, is a terrible and scary world, yes, there is pandemics and climate change and, and, and little girls that should never deserve to get sick, but like, even so we will continue to, to hope, even so we will have these beautiful expressions of love, like even so, even so.
1: Yeah. And, and, and there, there's several, a saying of the prophet Muhammad, which is very similar to Christian and Jewish teachings where he told um, his followers that even if you see the day of judgment coming around the corner, uh-huh. uh, you have to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you have the sapling in your hand and you're like, oh, I was going to plant the seed. Oh, look, it's the four horsemen. Yeah. Uh, they just came over the mountain. Huh. What should I do? And the command, the recommendation rather from him uh, was to plant the seed, which means even if it seems that literally everything will fall apart, you still have to have hope and not just have hope. You have to act on that hope
0: Yes, plant right.
1: the seed yeah. Uh, so it could be of benefit to other people.
0: Watch, I love that. You still you still put that little tree in the ground. You still plant the. I come from a farming background, and they would love that watch. They would love it. You have some really good advice about this. When it is your kid, when it's when it's you the one going through the awful thing, how should people respond? Like, what were some of the really? helpful things that people did to support you and your wife Sarah
1: you have to realize that most people if they're awkward with you it's not because they don't care it's that they don't know what to say yeah they no one has been taught this etiquette what do you tell a parent whose kid has cancer like no one knows yeah um, and so that 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 awkwardness that can ma- be so frustrating for uh, us who are enduring it it, it I'm just say, I'm just saying that many people want to help they just don't know how to. Mm-hmm. And so a kind word is good. I think knowing that a parent has probably explained the situation 47 times oh, if you really day. yeah if you no. really don't need to have the thorough like plot line don't oh, ask because people yeah. just get exhausted. I remember that. Oh. If you see the parent come out for the first time in a while, don't crowd them and just drill uh, them with stuff.
0: No curiosity. Yeah, no. Curiosity is so costly. It's Ugh.
1: costly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was, and like, I was nice to everyone, but I went out with my son once because my wife and daughter were in the hospital and like there was a friend, they're having a birthday party, and like, please just come. So I said, oh, I'll take my son out this poor kid. You know, he was uh, four last year. But I remember everyone, I, again, with best of intentions, yeah. crowded me for 35 minutes. And I was, I was, I remember I just sat down drained. And then yeah. I was like, "Let's just get out of here." Also, I think the stuff that really helps is the practical stuff. So put yourself in the shoes—if you must have like a mom or a dad—and you know your life is crazy. Well, yeah, the house doesn't stop. Yeah, your kids need to eat. Yeah, bills don't stop. So what I found that was very helpful are these gift cards, like Grubhub. Yeah, was a huge help. Um, If you, like these stores where you can buy like toiletries, like Walmart gift cards. I'm just giving you an example, right?
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. Final
1: thing I'll say is play dates for the kids, recommendations, like, or even close friends are like, I know you guys are exhausted. Why don't I take your kids for like two hours to play with my kids and you could take a nap? Absolutely. These are some very practical offers you can give to people that I think will it's not sexy, but it doesn't have to yeah. be sexy. <laughs> like, this is life saving stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I just want to explain to people that that's how devastating cancer is that even a person like myself who is married, who has friends, my wife had a job, we had a little bit of savings. Yeah. Even then, without a community to help us, we wouldn't have made it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you never forget that, do you? Like, the feeling that, if it weren't for a thousand threads holding us up, like you do fall all the way through. I think about that so much right now with so many people, just everything collapsing around them, that most of us would not be okay if someone else didn't come along, if a lot of someone else's didn't come along beside us.
1: Yeah, and human beings are are not meant to be islands. Like, you know, we... We learn, we learn how to speak. I mean, people think about like, I did everything myself. You know, you hear that sometimes yeah. I did it all by myself. And you're like, did you really do it all by yourself? <laughs> did you learn how to speak language by yourself? Did you learn how to like, you know, put on your really, right? Like if you really totally. think about it, it's, it, we are dependent upon one another. And I think that sense of interconnectedness, like yeah. you said, has been magnified in a crisis where so many people now are shut off from community. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. Yeah. And 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 Nuseba's story is one of like unbelievable community. So Nuseba went through chemo and then it was determined that a liver donation was her best chance at survival, but you and your wife weren't candidates, is that right?
1: So yeah, so Nuseba is O blood type, which is awesome because it's a universal donor. Yeah. It sucks because you only need O blood type. And oh. unfortunately my wife and I are not O uh we're A and B respectively. Because that's another thing what people don't realize when you're you know, that's a reverse situation because you unfortunately, uh, Kate, you know, you are living with it, with cancer. Yeah. I come from the other perspective is that I'm the person, the father, uh, yeah. who has to help. And and it's very it's it's so uh devastating that, you know, fathers are you know, for especially a daddy's girl. Uh, right? Or like uh, girls look up to their dads, like dads are supposed to save the day. Like girl yeah. has a problem, dad fixes it. Simple. Uh, right? Like that's our job. Uh, like, you know, she goes, dad, I don't need you to fix anything. You just have to listen to me. You're like, what? She, just listen to me, dad. And you're like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll listen. But like, do you want me to fix something? Like, no, just listen to me. And, and you're like, okay. And like, just like, that's how dads think, right? And so it's so humbling that you can't fix this. You can't fix cancer. And you sit there as a father, and you're like, "I cannot help my little girl. Like I'm useless. I'm so useless. I can't even give my liver." And (sighs) so, and so, it just you, you sit there and you go, "Like what the hell can I do?" I feel like a second belly button. Like that's how useful I am. No offense to those with second belly buttons. I'm sure you've found a, a, a <laughs> use for them. This public service announcement yeah, yeah. for all those <laughs> whose inherent worth yeah. is wrapped up in their second belly button. Yeah, yeah. I just Thanks want to be much. politically correct yeah, here yeah, for yeah, the no, second I'm belly saying. button we'll, community. We'll,
0: we'll definitely make sure that all those are made aware.
1: <laughs> Usually, uh, if you're lucky, and I know I'm saying this with all, you know, due to yeah. relativity, you have it on a part of your liver and you do a biopsy and you remove it. And voila, you do some, you know, chemotherapy and you pray to God, everything's fine. Yeah. When it's all over the liver, like my daughter, we tried, 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 but all the doctors said, we've got to get rid of the entire liver. Mm. So now, while she's doing chemotherapy, now we need to find a like beautiful liver for her, which is O-blood type. No one in my family has it. My mom mm. has it, but she's uh, above the age, so it has to be a certain age. Now, but thanks to our healthcare system, uh, they'll you know, if you have insurance, it'll take care of the surgery. But what about the person who's offering their liver and has to be knocked out for six weeks? Who's going to take care of them? So now we have to do a call out. And this is where, you know, my mom said, and my mom's, you know, Pakistani immigrant, she said, I always wanted you to become a doctor, but maybe God made you into a writer with a lot of Twitter followers to save your daughter. (laughs) Because I deliberately kind of wrote a narrative and did a call out, using social media to try to get a liver donor and then that's how it went viral and we got over 500 people mostly anonymous to sign up to be potential liver donors Mm -hmm. for nuseba and georgetown said we have never received so many applications we have never done so many tests and nobody is matching with her i'm like what the f
0: oh buddy yeah
1: I remember the Georgetown transplant team, which is a few people. This lady said, I've never worked this hard for a girl. She's in my dreams. And she, and she was crying. <laughs> oh, and she goes, because she goes, she, yeah, she goes, she goes, <laughs> I, I'm working day and night. Like Nuseba literally is in my oh. dreams. I'm doing everything I can. I'm I'm doing tests on as many people. Because she was like, I've never had this much of an output and I've never done the diagnostics and nobody matches. Oh. For those people who are wondering like, why is this important? Is because it's all about timing and the health and the next yeah. chemo and yeah. your blood counts are weekend. And they're like, we have a small window watch. We have a small window. We have like two weeks where we have to find this donor and do the surgery because then we'll have to do the chemo. And then she does the chemo. She'll be knocked out for six more weeks. Then who knows? And then yeah. lo and behold, an anonymous donor who's not even on Twitter, his wife follows me on Twitter, was reading my thread. She read out one tweet out loud. He takes the phone. He actually looks at the Twitter thread. He goes, oh, I'm O-blood type. Stop. Yeah. And she goes, what? She goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try out. And then he ends up being the liver donor. He wants to be anonymous. We're there at the hospital. And a, f- a mutual friend of mine DMs me and says, oh, my friend, Sean, is, just texted all of us and wish for prayers. He's going in for a, a a surgery. I think he's your daughter's liver donor. And I'm like, what? Oh, Oh. and then he goes, crap. I don't think I was supposed to tell you.
0: Oh, shoot.
1: Yeah. And then then he goes, yeah. And his wife and his family are there, but they keep us separate. And I'm like, why don't you tell his wife if she wants to meet me, we're here. But if not, that's okay. And then I go to the commissary and I I bump into this woman who's South Asian and has a hijab. And I'm like, are you Sean's wife, Rida? And she goes, I am. Are you a And she goes, yes. And and we were both waiting for our our respective, you know, Sean and Nuseba to wake up. And, and then the, the final thing I'll say on this is the doctor who did the, the transplant on Sean, and he goes, listen, and he was crying. He goes, listen, I've done many of these surgeries. Let me tell you, your your daughter got a good man's liver. And I said, why? She goes, this first thing that this this kid, uh, he was like, Sean, he's 29, now he turned 30. Sean's here. He says, the first thing he asked me when he woke up, he goes, I've done so many of this. People say, when will I go back to work? Am I doing well? You know, when can I go to the gym? Yeah. The first thing he asked me was, when can I donate blood again? Stop. Yeah, because he 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 donates blood. He's all, he's, he donates plasma. He, he He's donated, like that's what he does on the deal. And so, and he wanted, he wanted to be anonymous. He's like, he goes, I only did this for God. And I did this to try to help someone. I, I didn't do it for anything else.
0: <gasps> I saw the donor in a video you posted recently and your gorgeous daughter is running to hug him. Tell me about that moment.
1: My wife called Sean. Because now we're friends, right? And she goes, listen, I'm so sorry, last second, but they're ringing the bell today, and I didn't know if you wanted to come by. And he goes, what a small world. My car, the tire went flat today for some strange reason, so I've been stuck at home. Uh, (sighs) So I can actually come today and join you for ringing the bell. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to make it. When you ring the bell, that means you're cancer-free. So she had the transplant in September, and in January of this year, she rang the bell. So him and his wife came and there's that great video you can see. I, I started where she, my where, where Nuseba rings the bell and she's like, she runs like this with her little feisty little booty, They're just like shaking with her with her <laughs> with her supergirl costume and she's like boom boom, she runs and she gives him like low high five and like upward high five and then he picks her up and then there's the Eye of the Tiger music playing in the background. It was great. It was great. <laughs>
0: Ugh. Oh, that just makes me so happy. I do think that there are bracelet people and not bracelet people. We're now living in a world of people who will now understand that on a wider level, that there will be lots of bracelet people.
1: Mm, that's right. That's right.
0: And then those and those incredible brave people who who dream about them. What a gift. Your gorgeous story, it makes me wonder, does it change your view of the world now that you know that there are people out there like Sean who just... Put their own health on the line for a little girl.
1: Yeah, you know that's a, that's 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 a good question because my wife Sarah is one of those people who is like just it's like a, she's a freak. It's disgusting because like
0: super beautiful. She's
1: like yeah, really pretty, really <laughs> smart and really just kind. Yeah. I always joke like that our marriage is like this. It's like if Sarah saw Freddy Krueger, she would be like, "Oh, Freddy Krueger, I think he needs a hug." And I'm like, "Sarah, it's Freddy Krueger. No." And then Sarah would be like, "Hey, Freddy." And she'd like run to Freddy and like is like takes out his claws and is about to like kill her. I'm like, "Sarah, no." And she goes, "He just needs a hug." And then right before she hugs him, she sees a ladybug and she, she like bends down she goes, "Ooh, ladybug." And then Freddy Krueger like ends up stabbing me, right? And, and then Sarah's like, "What just happened? Oh, you're bleeding. Let me save you." So that's like a great like, you know, analogy of our like marriage Uh, because I'm like a little bit more cynical and and she's just like, everyone has a story and a perspective. I'm like, no, maybe some people are just bad. She goes, no. And so the reason why I mentioned all that is I sometimes get very not I get genuinely surprised when people are just kind and I'm like, what's their like, why was that person just being nice? And, And Sarah's like, they're just nice. And I'm like, no, but why? like yeah, why? Yeah. And she's like no, some people are just nice. And so what this this whole endeavor was very useful for me is that uh, I try to be decent and kind n- anticipating people will screw me over if that makes sense. Uh-huh.
0: uh-huh. Yeah.
1: My wife is decent and kind because she thinks the world is decent and kind and we should still be decent and kind. She's not a, you know, a pushover at all. Yeah. And and when I saw over 500 people, mostly strangers, step up to be a donor. When I got these comments from people who just rail on me on Twitter, like they DM me and said, I hate all your politics. I hate it. Yeah, there's like, it's almost a verbatim quote. I hate all your tweets. I hate all your politics. I hate it every time you come on CNN, but let it be known <laughs> me and my mom are praying for your daughter.
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: Right? So then you're like, what it, what it did, what it did show me is very important for me. was that People have the capacity and the desire yeah. to still be decent and kind in this world.
0: Yeah, they just yeah.
1: need the opportunity.
0: Yeah. When this pandemic started, I hadn't fully processed that this was some people's first experience of chronic fear. Mm. you know and then I thought, oh yeah, welcome. But like, what a hard thing to be invited into.
1: That's right. And
0: you're already a veteran of this endless uncertainty. Well, so, so are for you people? <laughs> like, I'm passing out leaflets. I'm like showing people around. <laughs> but for people who are new to this experience, like what advice can we maybe give about living here?
1: Because we have experienced the past year where, in a strange way, we were preparing for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Our lives were disrupted. Our work was disrupted. We have hand sanitizers everywhere in our house
0: yeah. because
1: once you have an immunocompromised family member, you're terrified that. You know, she can get sick. Yeah. Uh, we were doing already social distancing. We had yeah. cut down on our social engagements uh, already because who had time? My kids yeah. were used to staying at home and coming up with activities. And so in a really weird way, Kate, like this is just an extension of our past year. Yeah, yeah. There's a great saying in Islam I wrote about this. It's um God commands the believer to tie your camel first and after that leave it to God. And mm. what that means is yeah. You do everything in your human power to prepare. Like, don't just be like, oh, God will take care of it. Let me yeah, go out. Yeah. And we'll just, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Let me just go out and, and forget social distancing and pass on this coronavirus. Uh, no. Yeah. Like, do like do everything in your power. And then after that, you have to let go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, buddy, I like that. I like that so much. That sounds exactly right.
1: This is going to be a tough one for people. But I think you and I know this one. Give up on normal. mm Normal's not coming back for a while.
0: Yeah. I put a big sign that just said basic on yeah, my that's fridge. It. That's it. And I needed it because I needed to remember my other slogan, don't be above it, which is that like when you're stripped down to the studs, you're like, okay, like here's where I live now. And I need to, I need to be okay with like just getting through the basic stuff and not and, and everything else is, it's just like not where I'm at right now. But I think what you
1: said was really on point. Like this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. And so we have to make peace that with, with this is where we are right now. It doesn't mean we're going to be here forever.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And, and yeah. I'm okay with, I'm okay with wearing my pajamas at 3 PM <laughs> right now with my kid <laughs> watching way too much TV.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because this is as good as it gets right now.
0: Right now. That's so good. I think right now is so healthy. I have this little question I started asking, like, if it's, If it's not everything is possible and it's not nothing is possible, then I started saying, so then what is possible today? And like, I love, I love that. I love the right now. I love the, like, just the little space for now to open up possibility, but not like saddle yourself with invincibility or unlimited potential.
1: Something like cancer and just like coronavirus has a way of completely flattening you and overnight reminding you of how insignificant <laughs> we are in this universe <laughs> and no matter how much we thought we, we controlled, how little we have control over. And you could be stripped overnight of your health, yeah. your wealth, your yeah. community. And so what? It, basically it forces you to question what really matters at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what really matters at the end is kindness. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, how Mm -hmm. will we endure? Like, how will we be human to each other during this crisis? It's through kindness. And if we can find ways to be kind to others, but also to ourselves, and I want to stress that if you can find a way to be kind to yourself and love yourself and love others, we can maybe emerge from this crisis uh, as better people.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you for coming to my
0: TED Talk. I love your TED Talk. (laughs) I uh, I hate optimists, um, but I do love deeply hopeful people, and you, my friend, are deeply hopeful. So what does hope mean to you now?
1: You know, I would love to be the gardener, and maybe I can plant that seed uh, for my kids and that generation, and maybe if we're lucky, if I'm really lucky, before my time's up, either we can enjoy the fruit together, or we can enjoy the shade. Yeah, I'm doing it because I want to be the gardener, and with whatever little time I have left. Yeah, because uh, we don't. No one's promised tomorrow. You know, I just want to be one of the helpers, and especially during this pandemic. When it's all said and done, and you, because you believe in God, I can actually talk about this. Uh, <laughs> once it's all written, it's very important for me that yeah. know, Allah says on the you know the day of judgment or whenever we meet, uh, you at least tried. And you were one of the helpers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Oh my gosh. Watch though. But my new prayer is going to be, God, make us gardeners. yeah. yeah. so good. I also just um, feel like it's worth mentioning. Thank you for having more kids. I know you've got three of them. Each I saw a photo. Holy crap. All gorgeous.
1: Y'all look like my wife. Thank
0: God. <laughs> I know kids are not great for quarantine, but it's so great for the world to have that much hope in it. Waj's definition of hope is a thing of beauty. Hope, he said, is action. Hope was in the people who surrounded their family with help. Hope was in the call to ask people to donate a liver. Hope was in the answer from an anonymous donor. Hope was in the man who woke up from surgery and wondered when he could give all over again. Hope, said Waj, makes us gardeners. So let's be gardeners. We plant the seed because, who knows, maybe one day we'll get to sit in the shade together. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the generosity of The Lily Endowment. Huge thank you to my team, Jessica Ritchie, Keith Weston, Harriet Putman, and J.J. Dickinson. So, fun fact about the podcast world, your reviews matter. Would you mind taking a minute to write a review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean so much. This is Everything Happens With Me, Kate Bowler.